Charlie, I think, is wearing two hats also. He's going to run back and forth today. We have some on vacation, Charlie. Tom, is he on vacation? So you're going to go back and forth? Okay. Uh, you need a second set of hands. Do we have any? Willie? I don't know. Sherry? Do you know anything? I am going to say while they're, uh, you know, getting things straightened up that I have a clipboard that is being sent out and around from the office. We need people to sign up. Is it over this direction now? Okay. For the food pantry on Tuesday and Thursday. Good morning. I want to uh, welcome everyone here on this Father's Day, especially all the fathers that are listening at home and those in the congregation today. We appreciate everything you've done over all these years of being a father. Uh, I'd like to um, introduce myself. Everyone here knows me. My name is Lana Woodward, and I'm the liturgist for today. And Pastor Page is on a spiritual renewal leave this month. And I'm going to invite you to take a few moments now to leave the worries of this week behind and prepare your heart for worship as we bring in the light of Christ and light our candles. If you will please stand and join me for the call to worship. And it is in your bulletin in case we don't get it on the screen. Seek God, know God, trust God, O people. Declare God's deeds among the people, for the needy are remembered, the poor have hope. And let's turn in our hymnals to 140, Great is Thy Faithfulness, if you'll please join me.
You may be seated. If you'll join, listen for the opening prayer this morning. Lord, we come this day having seen the miracles of everyday creation in our world. We have enjoyed both the bright sunshine and the gentle rains. We have marveled over the beauty of the flowers and the complexity of your creation and the fields that are growing with grain. Make our hearts ready to receive your word for us that we may go forth from this place ready to joyfully serve you all of our days. Amen. And in recognition of Father's Day, for our fathers who have given us life and love, that we show them respect and love, we pray to the Lord. For fathers who have lost a child through death, that their faith may give them hope and their family and friends support and console them, we pray to the Lord. For men, though without children of their own, who like fathers have nurtured and cared for us, we pray for the Lord, to the Lord. For fathers who have been unable to be a source of strength, who have not responded to their children and have not sustained their families, we pray to the Lord. God our Father, in your wisdom and love, you made all things. Bless these men that they may be strengthened as Christian fathers. Let the example of their faith and love shine forth. Grant that we, their sons and daughters, may honor them always with a spirit of profound respect. Grant this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. And I would like to uh, introduce our speaker, the Reverend Edward R. Weston, is the Director of Developmental Development for Preachers Aid Society and Benefit Fund. Ed retired in 2016 after 43 years of pastoring local churches. During his ministry, he was involved in numerous building and relocation projects and conducted over eight capital campaigns for his churches. Ed has an undergraduate degree in business administration, a master's of divinity, and a master's of business administration. He has certification as a professional fundraiser, as major gifts officer and planned giving. He and his wife Nancy live in Belleville and have four married children and nine grandchildren. And we are blessed to have him here today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for the introduction this morning. I wear two hats. I'm going to preach in a few minutes, so I try to come down here to talk about Preacher's Aid for just a moment. Uh, and I'm very thankful that Jim Ray did not write the introduction. Uh, Jim Ray knows me too well, and uh, if he wrote the introduction, uh, you'll all probably be leaving by now. Uh, Jim and I have been friends, gosh, 40-some years. We went to seminary together, or actually rode together my first year, his last year. Uh, but uh, if you see him, tell him that I'm still much better looking than he is, okay? <laughs> tell, tell Jim that. Also, Nancy Lawrence, uh, we were talking earlier, but Nancy uh, was at our house just a week ago, and I've been friends with that family for many years as well. And so those are two of the retired pastors that I know relate to this church, and there are probably several others. Preacher's Aid is in its 152nd year this year. We're probably the oldest institution related to the United Methodist Church in our part of, of Illinois, perhaps other than our schools, our universities. Uh, Preacher's Aid has had one mission all of its life, and that is to take care of our retired pastors, spouses, and surviving spouses. Uh, we do that through a myriad of ministries. Uh, one thing we provide for, uh, our, for retirees, and the conference sets investing rules, so not everybody qualifies, but we provide a million and a half dollars a year to provide a Medicare supplement. Uh, we provide uh, about uh, this year, last year, this year, and next year, we're going to provide about $460,000 uh, to be sure there's a 2% increase in what we call the pre-82 pension fund. Uh, if we didn't, those retirees for three years in a row would not even receive that 2%. At 2%, if, you're, if you've been in the ministry three, 30 years, that 2% is still just under $400. Uh, so it's not a great amount, but if we didn't provide it, they wouldn't be receiving that. Uh, I have eight years in that, so it's a, a little bit for me, but I'll take it. 
we also provided last year, and we're on record to probably do it again, uh, we provided over half a million, about $520,000 last year in emergency, and I mean emergency financial assistance to those retirees. Uh, most of that, not all, but most of that was in the area of medications. I always have to be careful. I say drugs, and everybody goes, what? We got all these preachers on drugs. Medications, okay? Uh, and if you're familiar with uh, the Part D and the uh, what they call the donut hole, we have a lot of our older pastors especially that get in that donut hole, and you have to pay your way out before it start, the insurance starts picking up again. Last year, we were doing, we do Part D reviews for our retirees. We try to find them the best deal on, on their, uh, their medications. And uh, I was talking to one of our older gentlemen, I think it was 85 or 86, and he had a bag of plastic, a gallon plastic bag of uh, his medications. And it kind of surprised me, and I looked at it, and he said, oh, he kind of laughed. He says, you think that's a lot? You ought to see how many my wife has. But holy cow, I mean, it was a gallon. And he went on to tell me, he said, Ed, our, our out-of-pocket, out-of-pocket cost each month was $850. Now, I'm trying to calculate if he's one of those that's in the, say he's had 30 years and he's on the pre-82 plan, which a lot of those 85 and all are on, uh, his annual income is probably 24, maybe $24,000. I'm thinking, oh my lands, that's probably 40% of his monthly income. And as I'm trying to calculate this nicely in my head, he smiles real big and he says, oh Ed, don't worry about it. He says, preacher's aid provides all of our medications. And so that was probably one pastor or one couple, we provided over $10,000 worth of assistance. That's where some of our older ones are. They're really hurting. And so Preacher's Aid seeks to be in ministry to those. And again, we do it through many ways besides the financial. Uh, you may not be aware, but if you're a United Methodist pastor and you pass, uh, when you die, we have a medallion that goes on your headstone that signifies that you're a United Methodist pastor. Uh, my wife keeps trying to get one. I said, no, you gotta wait till I go. Uh, but. Uh, uh, but that's just another thing. We also provide a lot of fellowship opportunities. Uh, we provide a lot of financial counseling. We do a lot of things for our retirees. Every gift that you make to Preacher's Aid goes into our permanent endowment. Uh, and we live off of that permanent endowment in order to do those ministries. One other little bit of tidbit. Um, you're all aware of what we call apportionments in our United Methodist system. If the annual conference had to provide the benefits that Preacher's Aid is doing, think about this, your local church apportionments would go up between 20 and 25%. That's the impact we're having and saving the annual conference, those kinds of funds on the budget. So I just encourage you today to think about a gift. For those that are watching online, you can go to pasbf.org and you can make an online gift there. But we appreciate the generosity of our churches, of our members, who support those who served us so well. I just encourage you today to think about a gift to Preacher's Aid. Thank you very much. And if you want to, did you want to do the children's sermon? I know you said you didn't know oh, it. Oh, I can do uh, it. You know, sure. Stay right where you're at. Any of the children like to come forward for the uh, sure. message? Do y'all sit up here, or where do I yeah, need to they be? Just, they sit, sit here. Okay. I'll let you come on up. They want to see you. They don't want to see me. <laughs> okay. I'll turn this way. Is that all right? Today is what? Sunday, right? Is there anything else special about this day? Oh, Father's Day. That's right. It's Father's Day. And for me, it's even more special because it's going to be Grandfather's Day for me because we're going to have a couple of our grandkids come over today. I don't know. Did you hear when she introduced me what my name was? You, I, I wasn't paying attention either. Okay. My first name's Edward. My middle initial is R, and my last name is Weston. You want to take a guess on what R represents? What, what, what my middle name is? I haven't had a church yet that's been able to guess it right. Anybody? R? Anybody in the 
congregation want to take a shot today? R, my middle initial. Not Richard, thank you. Russell, nope. Reinhold, Ralph, no, no. Rudolphy. What's that? Rudolphy. Rudolphy, now that's a good one. No. Raymond, no. Randy, no. Rick, no. Rudolph. Rudolph. If I had a red nose, that'd be perfect, wouldn't it? But I'm not Rudolph. Anybody else? Yeah, I'm, you'll never get it. My middle name is Riggs. R-I-G-G-S. That's kind of an unusual uh, middle name, isn't it? And nobody ever guesses that. Well, there's a story behind my name. Edward comes from my maternal grandfather. I was named after him. Riggs, R-I-G-G-S, is my father's first name. And he was named off from a great-grandfather of his many generations past. And so that's why nobody ever guesses my middle name, because it is very unusual. But that was always my middle name, and that's always been my name. And I can tell you, as a kid, when my mom would call for dinner, she would say Edward, because at that time, nobody could call me Ed. My mom wouldn't allow it. <laughs> uh, but she would say Edward. And then you know what happened if she said, Edward Riggs, come in here? I was in trouble. Yeah, I did something wrong. Isn't that right? When you always throw out that middle name, moms, dads. But that's where I got my name. I was named after, first, my grandfather, and then my, my dad's first name was my middle name. The reason I'm just sharing this today with you is, first of all, nobody ever gets it, uh, my middle name. But the other thing is that, that, you know, I think about my name and there's two things that goes through my mind. First is that God knows my middle name. God knows your name. God knows you as you are. And that's kind of a reassuring thing for me all the time. Uh, that God knows us so well that he knows even our middle name. Let's bow for a prayer, okay? Lord, we thank you that you know us so well that you know our middle name that you love us, that you forgive us when we do wrong, and that you are with us every day. So bless us and all the fathers today as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all for listening to me. Yep, I'm done. <laughs> you can stay up here with me if you want to. Thank you. Okay, it is time now for uh, our tithes and offerings, and I want to remind you there are pink cards in the back of the pews if you have a prayer request that you would like to add. And the other thing I want to remind you of, this is our uh, regular offering that we'll be taking at this time, and during the last hymn of the day, we'll be taking a special offering that you'll, you have envelopes in your um, bulletins for the Preacher's Aid Society and Benefit Fund. But today, right now, is just for the regular offering. If you'll come on down, please.
If you'll join me in prayer, please. Lord, in this season of growth, open our hearts to grow in your love. Help us to truly trust in your creative process in our lives. We look around and we see the beauty of your world, the blossoming flowers and plants, the growth of children, the joy of celebrations, of graduation and marriage, of receiving new life, and we also see the sadness and sorrow that has invaded the world when systems of injustice and hatred lay claim to people's lives. Prepare us, O oh Lord, to become ambassadors of peace and hope. Help us to place our trust in you so that when we are serving others, they may come to know your abiding love and power. Give us courage and great joy as we serve you. And now hear us as we join our voices together and pray to you. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is from Psalms 128. Happy is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be happy, and it shall go well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem as the days of your life, all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon you. And I'd welcome Reverend Ed to come on up and for the message. Again, I want to thank your pastor, Paige, for inviting me to share today. It is Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Uh, went back and did a little research. Again, I'm a father and a grandfather, so I'm a little bit biased about this day. Okay, let me be honest. I'm a little bit biased. Father's Day was established in 1924, 11 years after Mother's Day was established. And I've always felt as a father we've been behind ever since. Someone pointed out to me one time that the word father in the dictionary is just before fatigued and right before the word fat, right after the word fathead. So for us fatigued fathead fathers, let's enjoy our day. I remember when my youngest son was maybe four or five years old and I was doing a children's story one Sunday, and I said something, I was talking about Father's Day, and I said, you know, what's Father's Day like? And he said, uh, well, he says, Father's Day is kind of like Mother's Day, only you don't have to spend as much money. Uh, <laughs> I thought, well, how true that is. I think back about, you know, the four biggest Sundays of the year, you know, Christmas, Easter, what, Palm Sunday, and Mother's Day, right? Tenants always spikes on Mother's Day. At least it did where I was. I remember about 30 years ago when I was in the ministry, a, a, a report came out because I was doing some research on Mother's Days and Father's Days. And this report came out and I, I got a big kick out of it. And it's not quite apropos today because of cell phones, but the, uh, the research said that the greatest number of phone calls, and I think this is still true, the greatest number of phone calls, the busiest day of phone calls is Mother's Day, still today. It still is. At that time, the largest number of collect phone calls were made on Father's Day. That was back when you could call and charge your phone to somebody else. I'll take just a moment today to, to kind of keep this light, but uh, 
I want to ask you, if, if you have ever said this, if you're a father and you've ever said this, raise your hand. Now, come on, be honest, okay? If you ever said, go ask your mother. Dads? Okay, good. We got some honest people here today. I'm glad to see that. Now, for the children, did your dad ever say that? Go ask your mother. Yep. My dad did all the time. Okay, here's another one for those. Uh, did your dads ever say, or as a dad, did you ever say this? When I was your age. Okay, come on, guys. Thank you, thank you. I didn't want to be the only one raising my hand today. But how many heard their fathers say that very same thing when I was your age? Yep, I did too. I remember that. Or this one. How many dads said something like this? I walked eight miles to school in the snow, uphill both ways. I heard that so many times from my dad. I did. No, well, good. I'm, I was the only one. I guess I was the only one around snow. How many of you have said that to your kids? Yeah, I did. And I never did walk in snow. I'll never forget on one of our holidays, and this was years before my dad passed, we were sitting around and telling stories, and my dad was talking about something, and he mentioned that he had rode a school bus. And my sister, brother, and I, I don't know what he was talking about, but we caught on to that because he had never told us. He, he was always, he had to walk seven miles to school, and he quickly, bless his heart, quickly, he, and we all looked at him and started calling him on it, and he says, well, I had to walk seven miles to the bus stop, and then I rode the bus, and yeah, well, I'm not so sure that we really believed him after that. The truth of the matter is, as men, we, we need to learn to communicate better. We need to be able to listen better. And I know one of the, the problems I've always had is that, and part of it, I think it's that male, maleness or that male ego, is that we try to fix everything. I want to fix stuff. It's something, I want to fix it. One of my kids has a problem. I want to fix it. And lots of times what I found out is what I really need to do is just listen, to be quiet, listen, and let somebody speak. I learned over the years, if my son says, I cannot finish my hamburger, I know that he means he's full. If my son says, I don't want any dessert, what that really means is, I'm very sick and I need to be taken to the hospital as soon as possible. <laughs> I found out if my, one of my sons said, I didn't do it, the translation for that, what he really meant was, nobody can prove that I did that. Okay? And then if he said something like that, Bob is a no good rotten liar, it meant that I was probably going to get a call from Bob's parents or, or the school very soon. I had to learn to listen to what he was really saying. And hopefully, as I did, I became a better father. But as we look at this Father's Day 2021, I, there's been study after study that's been gone for many different years. And one of the things it shows time and time again is the absence of the father in the home is a leading cause for young men and women to go astray, especially the men, the boys. They're, when the father is absent, they have a greater propensity to join gangs, to end up on drugs, to abandon their own family responsibilities. That lots of times the absence of the father encourages the child to leave the church and many times end up in jail. Now, the presence of the father does not guarantee that the child will be free from all problems, but the absence of the father in the home increases the chances of trouble exponentially. So my first point, if you don't hear anything else today, and I'm saying this mostly to the fathers, and I'm talking about myself as well, fathers make the family a priority. Make it a high priority. Make worship as a family a priority. You see, your children need you to be a steady force in their lives. Your, your presence at ball games, at concerts, at the dance recitals or music recitals, your presence in church, all of that makes a huge impact on your children and on their sense of self-worth. My dad was at every ball game I played, every piano recital I did, anything I did at church, my dad was always there. And I so appreciated that. I'll never forget when my youngest son was playing high school uh, soccer for his team. We were sitting there, and a buddy of mine and I, we'd coached these kids for eight years before they got to high school, and 
a good friend of mine, we were just talking and we realized that we had not seen this one kid's parent ever. Neither parent had any soccer game that he ever played in. It was kind of sad. And I remember Bill saying, you know, why have kids if you're not going to be a part of their life? Bill made it a priority to be at his kids' activities, and so did I try. A child with a parent who is absent all the time begins to suffer with identity and self-worth issues. We make an impact on our kids just by being present. So dads, today I want to encourage you to make the family a priority regardless. And the way we attend, the way we support, the way we serve the church is the greatest influence we'll ever have on our, whether our children will remain active in years to come. Now, the psalm that was just read a moment ago, 128th Psalm, is subtitled, The Happy Home of the Faithful. Happy are those who fear the Lord, who walk in his ways. You will be happy. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. The man will be blessed. Now, the author uses one phrase a couple times in this psalm, and that is the words, fear the Lord. And the second important phrase, he says, I think of this text, is walk in his ways. And I'm going to talk about both of those for just a moment today. I begin to wonder, and I've struggled with some of the language in the Bible for years, and I've often thought, how can you be happy if you are to fear the Lord? Someone took the time to count in scriptures, and there are over 300 times in scriptures that we're admonished to fear the Lord. What does that really mean? Fear the Lord. Now, I can tell you that I'm afraid of going to the dentist. I am. I am deathly afraid of snakes. Always have been. Now, I'm, I can go in an airplane. I've flown. I can go to the top of tall buildings. But I'll tell you something I can't do. I can't get to the edge of a tall building, anything over one story, and I can't look over the side. It just... Fear just takes over. Either I'm afraid I'm going to fall over, or more rightly, I'm afraid somebody's going to push me over the side. <laughs> but I have a fear. If you've ever had a kidney stone, I have. I tell you what, I got a great fear of having another kidney stone. Never had any pain like that in my life. If you ever watched the old Seinfeld series, Kramer was scared to death of clowns. You see, fear is real. Fear is real in our lives, and there are many things we are afraid of. But why fear God? If God is love, why should we fear? If God is creator of all, why should we fear? And yet we see in Scripture, whenever angels come to bring us good news, they always start out by saying the same thing, don't they? They say the very first thing they say is, do not fear. How are we to fear God? Is it more than reverence, more than awe? You see, fearing God is to acknowledge his power. It is to acknowledge his creative being. It is to acknowledge that we are small in his presence, that we are the creation, not the creator. To fear God means to acknowledge his power to grant us life or death. To fear God is to put ourselves at his disposal, to grant him ultimate authority, to, to be able to declare honestly of our hearts and our minds and our mouths, my Lord and my God, and really mean it. Now, I've lost both of my parents, and luckily they can't tell stories on me anymore, but I was not always the perfect son. It's probably hard for you all to believe, and if Jim Ray tells any stories, he'll tell you all those stories about me where I wasn't the perfect son. But there was one thing I learned growing up is I tried to, and I wasn't perfect, but I tried to respect my father's boundaries because I found out later he did know what was best for me. My dad knew what actions could get me into deep trouble. So I tried my best to stay inside those boundaries. And it wasn't out of fear of some kind of physical abuse of my dad beating me. He never did anything like that. But it was because of my love for him. I wanted to please my father. I wanted to make him proud. I wanted to make him happy. So in the same way, I fear God to keep my own desires and wishes in check. I fear God so that I can do the best in pleasing him. I've learned 
a long time ago that God is not going to hit me with a lightning bolt when I misbehave. If that was true, I wouldn't be here today for sure. But there is still that sense that I never want to forget that someday I will sit before the judgment seat. And you know what? I'm going to have to answer for my life, my decisions, my actions. For you see, my decisions today determine my eternal home. So I fear God. I fear mostly failing God. The psalmist gives us another key to a happy home and to a very fruitful life. Scripture emphasizes this theme of walking with God, of walking in his ways, of obeying his commandments. The idea is that we should want to walk with God. Now, the world around us is filled with those who walk their own way, who choose to live outside the gospel, who see the Ten Commandments as some pretty good suggestions. But I'm going to make up my own moral code. How can we claim we walk with God, yet we hurt other people? How can we claim we walk with God when we cheat at work or cheat on our spouse? How can we walk with God when we are so self-centered that we begin to ignore our family or our church? And we only do what we want when we want. But walking with God means something different. It means that we walk with God every day, not just on Sundays, not just when we feel a little religious. One of the learnings I had young when my youngest son was probably four or five, I went out in the backyard and we had had a couple feet of snow and I was walking to do something and I turned around and he was right behind me, which I didn't realize he was outside. And then I looked behind me in the snow and I could not see any of his tracks. And I said, how'd you do that? He said, Dad, I just walked where you walked. And I've thought about that time and time again. Hopefully my son will walk with God in the way that I walked with God. Walking with God, that leads to a happy home, a happy world. Then I think back about one of my favorite hymns growing up in the garden. It says it well. I want to be known as one who walks with Jesus. When he said, and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. You see, it is during our walk with God that God claims us. His children walk with their heavenly father. Walking with God means inviting him into our lives at every stage. It is, it is wanting, desiring to be in a closer relationship with God. Again, it's not that one-hour commitment sometimes on Sunday, but it's a lifetime of walking. My father, because of his, his father's illness at a young age, my father didn't get past, I think, eighth, maybe into the ninth grade. He didn't have the advantage of education that he, he began to provide for his children. But my dad had a, a different set of skills. He could fix, fix most anything. He could build most anything. I marveled all the time at what he could do. But I have to tell you, one of the things that I learned from him was the importance of giving back to the church of my time and my resources. And my dad's walk with God was very quiet. <laughs> You would never, ever, in his whole lifetime, you would ever see him in the pulpit, up front in church, or in front of any group. You would never catch him doing anything with public speaking. He was always concerned about his lack of speaking abilities. But my dad walked with God in a different way, and he made sure my sister and brother and I were in worship every Sunday morning. And he made sure that we were in youth group, and any event that the church was going on with the youth we were there because my dad made it a priority. See, I learned that he made a priority of walking with God quietly. Oh, yes, very quietly. But he made it a priority of walking with God. Another significant thing at his funeral, when I spoke at his funeral 12 years ago, it hit me, and I mentioned that my dad didn't have the chance at any education. In the sanctuary that day, with his kids, their spouses, and the grandchildren present, there were 23 advanced degrees sitting there just in our family. My dad never got past ninth grade, but he knew how important education was. But more than that, we learned to walk with God through him. 
My dad was one of those guys who got up early on Sunday morning and he got to church to make sure the air conditioners were working, or in the wintertime to make sure that old furnace at the church would crank up and pump some heat in the sanctuary. My dad, and he began taking me when I got older, he began showing up every workday when they had to lay some floor tile or, or do some painting or whatever they needed to do around the church. I learned my commitment to the church and the importance of my faith by watching him walk with God. He walked with God quietly, no fanfare. I was blessed that my father made his family a priority. He feared the Lord. He walked with God. Those, I believe, are the qualities a father and mothers need to have if we're going to continue to build this world as a place for Jesus Christ. Our hymnal has a, a great hymn, number 445. You're not going to sing it. I just want to read a couple verses of it. It's, it says it's not based. I believe it's based on Psalm 128. The author said this, Happy the home when God is there, and love fills every breast. When one their wish and one their prayer, and one their heavenly rest. Happy the home where Jesus' name is sweet to every ear, where children early speak his fame, and parents hold him dear. Lord, let us in our homes agree this blessed peace to gain. Unite our hearts in love to thee, and love to all will reign. Walk with God. Fear the Lord. Make your family a priority. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this church and its rich history of ministry for so many years here in this community. And we pray that your power of your Holy Spirit will continue to inspire them, to lead them into new ways of ministry, that they will continue to share the gospel of Jesus Christ here and across the globe. May they truly continue to be a beacon of light to those in need. And now, Lord, we just pray today that through this simple psalm, we can see how important it is to make our families a priority, how that we are to fear you, knowing that you have our best interests at mind. And most importantly, Lord, may you challenge us each and every day to walk with you. This we pray in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. And amen. Thank you, Ed, for those <laughs> inspiring and challenging words on this special day. Thank you. Uh, I do have a few announcements to share before our closing hymn. And I, like I said, uh, before the service started, I passed the uh, clipboard around for the people uh, to sign if they could help us in the food pantry on Tuesday or Thursday from 1 to 3 p.m. Knitting with Love will be tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. June 21st. Uh, also, uh, Susan asked the secretary, newsletter information is due in the church office on Wednesday morning, this Wednesday, the 23rd. And also, you will see maybe downstairs, you saw it someplace, the St. Paul Lutheran Church on uh, the U.S. Highway 40 of Altamont is having a brat and hot dog fundraiser meal from 4 to 6.30 p.m. on Saturday, June 26, and they are going to help support the Altamont School District Music Department that needs funds. Uh, there will be a free will offering. It is a drive-through. There is limited picnic seats, uh, seating available also, and it tells the meal includes broader hot dog, potato salad, baked beans, bag of chips, can of soda or a bottle of water and then a dessert, a cookie or brownie. So if you can at all help support uh, our school music program, I'd ask that you would do that. Okay, I think, are there any other announcements that we need to share before we have our closing hymn? Anyone? Pardon? Yes, I'll remind them that our collection that we're going to have during this hymn is for our benefit, our pre, or let me read what it is again. I have it online. Yes, the special offering, the Preachers Aid Society and Benefit Fund. Okay.
Okay, if you will please join me in the closing hymn, Now Thank We All Our God. It is on page 102. Thank you again to Reverend Weston for sharing us your message. And as we leave this time, the Lord bless us and keep us. The Lord make his face to shine upon us and be gracious unto us. The Lord lift up his countenance upon us and give us peace this day and forevermore. Amen. So much, and like I said, oops, we will send that to them. I've got the card. The First United Methodist Church is a church of open hearts, open minds, and open doors, seeking to help everyone come to know Jesus Christ, both in Altamont and around the world. Our worship services are at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings, and all are welcome in person after the COVID crisis, but now online at our YouTube channel, Altamont First UMC. You can also find the link on Facebook at our Facebook page, First United Methodist Church Altamont. We will begin worship shortly.